0: Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour and co host Aaron Fintel sit down with Stacey Anthony of AgriVolution, a six store agco dealer in Kentucky and Indiana. Before we head over to Casey and Aaron, I wanted to thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions. AgriSolutions is the market leader in wearable parts, components, accessories, and solutions for tillage, seeding, planting, fertilizing, hardware, and inventory management solutions improve performance and durability with a wide range of in-field and extended life solutions. To learn more about AgriSolutions Solutions and their globally recognized brands such as Bolota, Ingersoll Tillage and Trinity Logistics, visit agrosolutionscorp.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Aaron talking with Stacy Anthony about what they're seeing in the planter market and customer interest in wanting to advance their planters to the next level of technology.
1: So in this edition of Boots on the Ground, I got a longtime friend, a um, guy that I've known for a long time um, in, this, in this industry. Aaron's industry. He, he's a, he's an old boy. hand in he's, the industry. He's been around. <laughs> and uh, the old Kansas boy uh, actually started out kind of the same path that Aaron and I went down, you know, yep. all kind of worked through the same area. So I got Stacey Anthony from Ag Revolution. They are the Agco dealer out there in um, God's where you, country. Yeah, like Indiana, a little bit of Kentucky in that area, Stace so stacy anthony is uh has has been in this industry if you know if you worked in the user equipment industry you know stacy anthony for for a long time so stacy welcome to the show and thanks for being on man
2: well thank you casey and aaron appreciate it and uh listen to your podcast frequently and uh, always appreciate the content and the value you guys bring to the industry so thank well, you very much.
1: Uh, well, we appreciate that man thanks you. So, bet. so stace give us a look just let's just start like this just how'd you get started in in, in the equipment business and, and then how'd you get to where you're at now
2: well you know it's a it's it's a simple story I grew up on a farm and a ranch in southwest Kansas you know started out in the sales side of the business and as you continue to grow up uh, uh inside of that that side of the business well I had an opportunity as consolidation started to to uh develop uh first uh went on uh, with a management job at KJN out in the Colorado locations and spent some years out there and then then had an opportunity to become a, a minority part owner of a, of a John Deere dealership in Northwest Kansas up around Oakley, Kansas and uh, spent about 10 years up there. And as things continued to, to migrate and, and develop in consolidation, um, you know, one thing led to, next to another and Spent some time at 21st Century and got uh, used to Western Nebraska and and part of that country and uh, later found myself uh, working inside the Brandt Holdings Company uh, out of Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, my main job there was to help start and develop uh, and organize uh, the export division uh, that soon grew to be uh, exporting in about 27 countries and uh, spent about 12 years there before I I uh, accepted a CEO position of Miratech Harvest Center down in the Delta down in Memphis, Tennessee, where we kind of a, a startup rebuild of some cloth dealerships there in, in, in that area. And uh, you know, you know how it goes. One thing always leads to another, but uh, during, during a, uh, I guess an exploratory project to see what else we could add to our current line there, uh, ran on to some Agco guys and uh, really began to dig in and try to understand where they're headed with their, their new ideas and, uh, their new vision and their new leadership and became quite familiar with the Fent brand. And, uh, we had some like kind chemistry that led us to an opportunity when, when that opportunity arose here in Kentucky and Indiana to, uh, do a startup company with ag revolution. We, we stood up six dealerships last January one and, um, soon we'll be growing and adding some more, but, uh, this is, uh, it's been a good first year. We've got a really good team of people uh, and uh, we're working hard to develop the full portfolio of Adco products, but primary focus on Fent.
1: It's amazing that this industry is such a small, small world. So I worked, you know, I didn't realize you worked at KG, so That was that's a whole nother. Yeah, I didn't that's whole, either. That's a whole nother loop there of inter intertwinedness. But, you know, I worked with a guy at Prairie Lane, um, he was our uh uh, VP of Aftermarket, or not VP of Aftermarket, he was, uh, I don't remember his exact title, but he worked in Aftermarket. And his name is Benny Ray, and he worked with you up at, yeah. at Brand Holdings, you know, and so it's just like a small world, you know, this, you don't realize how intricate things are in this business until you actually stand and start having conversations with people about where they've been at, what they've done. So it's, right. a, it's interesting to hear that background, Stacey.
2: Yeah, well, you know, guys like Benny, guys like you two, I mean, when you when you think about how small it is, there's just been a lot of good forged friendships along the way. And even though yep. some of us, you know, at one time were aligned, some, sometimes now we're competitors, at the end of the day, we're all friends. And that's right. what makes this thing fun. That's oh,
3: exactly yeah, right. absolutely. The people side of it is, of the used equipment world is fantastic. That's the funnest part of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. So,
1: on the last moving iron podcast, Aaron and I did, we we, we kind of went down and started talking about where, how things were moving in the market and those kind of things, and what we saw happening. I've laid out a few predictions of kind of what I see happening out there, and and after we get done recording, there's always about another you know two and a half hours worth of material that flows in my brain after I <laughs> stop recording. But there's- per per day, per day, <laughs> the one thing that I that I'm I really kind of was thinking a lot about is, you know, take a look at the plan. We talked about planners for a while and then how they never quite rebounded and, and to a to a quote unquote problem, you know, 14, 15, 16 auction, all those off and we kind of dumped the market. And, and you know, as the economy kind of was bouncing back up to where it is today, the planner market never really had a a big leap forward, you know, to get to get more more planners built and purchased and those kind of things. And we're going to start seeing that now as, you know, commodity prices come up. We're going to see more and more planners uh, built. But the trade-ins right behind all those are pretty much sold on that all the way across there. So, I mean, Stacey, as you take a look what's going on out there around you, what's what's the planner market like out where you're out there in that little your little neck of the woods? And And what are you doing different today than you were doing, you know, six months ago as you take a look at that marketplace?
2: Well, specifically related to planners, you know, in, in our startup company, we were a little bit unique because we didn't buy any used inventory from, from from the seller. And so, therefore, we started with zero used inventory. And there was a day when we all would have really liked to have been in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just
3: thinking that, Stacey. I'm thinking for most of the 15 years on this side of the fence, that's a great problem to have, but it also really sucks. <laughs>
2: It does right now for sure. And so, you know, basically, uh, we started selling new. Of course, we we, tra- we sold a few new momentum, fit momentum planners, trade in some used ones. Of course, they were sold right away. And right now, you know, yeah, we're looking and we're starving for planners. And because we're such limited right now and what we can get access to for this next 12 to 24 months and new planners, we're trying to buy planners and we're trying to buy tractors and we're trying to buy a lot of different things. But right now, uh, you know, that market is uh, pretty stout and you've got to be really careful in the choices you make so that you don't get upside down in what you buy and what you sell it for. So planners right now, uh, there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of demand for, for, uh, you know, all ages, uh, mostly newer though, I would say fresh, clean, newer planners. Some want to put some precision, uh, applications on there. Some want to cater them to their own, their own desires, their own needs, but there's a hungry appetite for planners right now for upgrades. And, uh, unfortunately we're just not able to supply all that demand.
1: When you, when you look at say, you know, your customers right now, you talked about the technology side of that. And how many customers do you have that are trying to move from older technology into newer technology? And how many do you have that are saying, you know what, I, I, I'm pretty happy with the way we're going and I'm going to keep the same plan or base that I've always had?
2: Uh, you know, Casey, I think honestly, 85 percent of our customers want to step up to some type of technology or advance where they are into another level of technology. And I just don't see that going away. I mean, when you look at some of the results of some of this improved technology on these planning units and it all begins there, uh, people realize that. And uh, I I just don't see that fading.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, more and more people, especially after going past this last five year kind of downturn in the market, a lot of guys are looking at everything they have, whether it's tractors, combines, whatever it is, they're looking for more technology in whatever they're buying. Yeah,
2: it's uh you know, if you've got a standard stock Harley Davidson right now, you want a twenty six inch front wheel <laughs> to the MA seventeen engine and kind of the same way with the planner, you know. Yeah. I mean
1: nobody wants a stock planner anymore. So that's right, right. Yeah. And stock planner anymore is getting
3: to be a pretty heavily technologically loaded machine anyway. Oh yeah. Just the base the base level machine. Yeah, a a stock planner now is way advanced compared to a seventy three hundred yep. on the green side. Yep. And that, you know, that's something with Stacy's 85%. Mm-hmm. That is something I remember, man, it would have been 30s traded in on the first Rs. Right. We we tried that, trade the receiver, trade the display, right. leave it in the tractor, all right. that. And we pulled that off for like a couple months. And then everybody, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Now guys are upset. If it doesn't have premium activation right. in the armrest and this and that, and then I need an extend monitor and I right. need this and yeah, it's it's amazing how much that's changed. Yeah, in ten years you couldn't talk guys into swapping receivers and displays, and now, thanks to manufacturers basically impregnating it into the machine, that's the only way they'll go. Is as, as you look at what's going on there? I mean,
1: like you said, you know, you guys are. A startup company you got you know you got the fent line that you're carrying when you're when you're looking at the openness of you know a new brand coming in to the to the area. What's been your response to uh, the customers that you've worked with as to you know hey welcoming a a new a new quote unquote vendor back in, into the territory there because it's not like there wasn't an ad code dealer there beforehand that was uh,
2: yeah Boy, Cat, Wayne, Boyd Cat
1: Boyd that's right yeah mm-hmm. those guys in there so that 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 had been an established. Um, venture there for a while, but I guess as you come in with a, with a brand new, brand new line, really, I mean, what, what was your, what's been your response to the customer base you're working with?
2: Well, you know, I think underneath the Boyd Cat uh, umbrella, you know, most everything was yellow and Challenger and how right. all that aligned with the Cat dealers, right? And so right, now right. That they see a transition going on, they see a lot of it going fent green, people are people are intrigued about what's different about it. And I think, you know, like in any market, you get people, you get your early adopters who are sure. saying, you know what, I want to take a look. Let me let me peek in the window. Let me have a demo. And uh, they want to try to uh, check it out and see what's different about it. And then you got the other guys who are just tried and true, blue, green, yellow, whatever they are, and they don't, really, they don't really have an interest in it right now, you know? So what you do is you end up focusing around those early adopters where you can kind of get your foot planted and get, Get some experience and 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 get some uh, showstoppers going on and that's what we've done i mean i think we we had the most uh, availability with tractors and we got started first of all with our tractor line uh the 900 series and some of the thousand series fence and And uh, we started off pretty good. And the people have had uh, experiences with those tractors have ran them and they're, they're well pleased. And then we started moving into, you know, the, the momentum planter and, and testing that and doing some trial tests and field tests. And that started to go over pretty good. So we started selling a few of them and then the ideal combine was introduced and, and uh, we started doing some field demonstrations in wheat and then moved on into the fall season and had a good run on selling some combines there with ideal, So, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of this product line and now we're coming out with a new sprayer. It got introduced, new R9. And so with all of its uh, future capabilities and things like that. So the brand is starting to uh, increase in portfolio. Uh, it's starting to widen. And, you know, we understand that probably the value of that brand needs to uh, have a wider portfolio because you know, at the end of the day, there's some guys who will just buy one or two, but there's still a mud mentality out there, right? And if yep. you're going to compete with the market leaders, and uh, we all know who the market leaders are, you're going to have to be able, at some point in time, compete in that mud in that mud program.
3: Yep. Right. Yep. Yep.
0: We'll get back to Casey, Aaron, and Stacey in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, Solutions. To learn more, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they continue their discussion with Stacy Anthony about ag revolutions, market, and a younger generation of farmers taking over operations.
1: As a general topic of conversation here, what are you seeing out there in your neck of the woods right now with you know with retirements and you know um, consolidation on farm consolidation, those kind of things. Are you seeing quite a bit of that now with, you know, some guys that are probably were going to retire two, three years ago, four years ago, something like that. And then, you know, the economy kind of turned down. So equity positions, those kind of things were were questionable. And now they've kind of gained that back. Are you seeing any kind of a retirement move out your way where, you know, some younger generations are are getting a little bit bigger or are taking over the farm? I guess what, what are you seeing as far as that goes?
2: We're seeing a little bit of both, not a lot, not a lot right now, but we're seeing two things. One where there is a couple of younger generation coming in and taking over current operations, but we've also seen a couple that have just said, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't have anybody else to take it over. And so the neighbor or whatever has, has went in there and, and either you know increased his size by a third or half or double or more, and so we've got a little bit of both going on. But I wouldn't say it's a large amount. It's still pretty managed, and uh, probably not as much as it is in other locations.
1: When you're looking at various technologies, when you're starting to see guys and uh, how they how they approach their buying trade cycles and those kind of things, how much of that have you seen trade uh, from comparatively to where you started at? You know, when you first started the business, to where you are right now, how much have you noticed? In trade cycles, how much of that have you seen change over the years?
2: Well, I think we we see uh, the businessman, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've got some guys who just kind of trade whenever they feel like they need it. But we, we're starting to see more of the businessman start to service the guy who's really starting to say, hey, he's uh, he's calculating his equity. He's calculating his operational cost. He's calculating the cost of doing business. Uh, there's a lot wider, I think, breadth of people who actually know what it takes to grow a crop nowadays, and they know what their break-evens are, and uh, they're becoming more business-minded. And so we're starting to see that become a lot of the conversation that we're having as we begin to talk about trade cycles.
1: When you're, when you're working with your customers, and, you know, again – all back from you started where you're at now i mean just the amount of data that we're pulling off these machines now and and putting that into not only just agronomic decision making but do you need the size of tractor that you have you know what's it look like if you were to just turn the key off every once in a while and not have so many idle hours those kind of things how are you having those conversations with your customer and what's that looking like
2: well i think it's based around utilization and there's a lot more conversations around utilization i mean Before it was just, you know, I need a tractor to do this job, one to do that job. But now it's more about multi use and you know, I think we're really going to start having some interesting conversations right here in the very near future when we right. start talking about autonomy, right? And yeah, so, exactly. I, I, I don't even know. We're, we're trying to really for, forecast and predict what does that look like? You know, does that smaller units more of them 24-7? I don't know what that exactly looks like. But right now, we're all about size and scale and utilization and, and big horsepower steel sales. And mm-hmm. uh, But that could change in the future. Yeah. You
1: bring up a good point with the autonomous tractor thing. I mean, I... I think about that. I have about a forty-minute drive home, and that idea of autonomy comes across my mind a lot more times than it doesn't. And what's that look like, and how is that going to change um, the way not only customers buy machine, but buy machinery, but how the way we sell used equipment and what that looks like, and how that whole thing kind of smashes together. Because I, I am a firm believer that when autonomous tractors come around, this the the idea of a yearly roll. And those kind of things, especially as machines get smaller, and you know whether or not electric tractors and all those kind of things make their way into it. The one thing about it, the autonomous side of it, there's a lot of factors that, in a piece of equipment that kind of go away. There's a lot less things on there that, other than the specific powertrains that you have to worry about. So, they're, you're really starting to look at what's the technology on the machine versus what the horsepower rating is, and those kind of things. It, it really is kind of a uh, a brave new world of sorts that you have to step back and take a look at. of how many machines is a guy going to use? And then how, how functionally long are they going to use those machines before they decide they want to do something else with them?
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, I think it's all going to come down to the economics of the size of that machine and how many they need and how many they'll utilize. So it's going to be interesting, but it'll come down to an economic decision. I'm sure.
3: Absolutely. Just saying guys, they were having the same discussion a hundred years ago. Yeah. Well, true point. we're never yeah. getting away from horses that's a that's a good point because that that's exactly right. I mean, you read
1: so many of those things about we're never going to get rid of a horse decide to have a tractor stupid my yeah, my first
3: boss traded for horses, really, yeah, like when you were working for him, no God, no man <laughs> heavens <laughs> no when when he started out he yeah. was he was an older guy yeah at that point, and it, just like. Just like Kenny's old boss too. I'm sure Kenny traded for. No, he He was. was, uh, was It's the guy Kenny worked for. Wow, because me and Kenny sat in the same (laughs) office. No joke. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he would tell me in high school he'd start selling and he'd go sell cream separators, you know, and that kind of thing. But he would. He used to tell me they had it just kind of a x amount, and they had a buyer in St. Louis that they get them down to St. Louis, and they'd ship them down the Mississippi. Trade for horses all day, every day. Put them on a boat to Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We got this new agriculture project in Ghana.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's funny. They had a – but another thing, too, on this whole technology side of that, 22 years ago they were having the same conversation about – you know, auto RTK and steer, Right. You know what I mean? And that I mean, Deere you rolled out their autonomous tractor thing and you've seen the smart ag deal and you've got the um, case IH, yeah, and their farm show, farm show display for years. dot and those kind of things. I mean, if you read the comments and that people are just like, this is, this is, this is never going to really, I mean, it doesn't really have a place and blah, blah, blah. Right. Same conversations you heard so many years ago. I mean, Stace, when you're, when you're looking at technology adopters in your area, I mean, is it still pretty that pretty much that same rule? where You got that twenty percent that are hardcore technology technologists, and they're, they they want to have the latest and greatest thing out there. And then you've got this, you know, sixty percent somewhere in the middle. And then you've got this other twenty percent that still wishes they could plant without without any kind of guidance. I mean, is that is that pretty synonymous with your area?
2: You know, I say it is. I was just thinking back about your earlier conversation. I mean, can you remember when we thought technology was an AccuTrack three-point guidance system or a navigator (laughs) back in the day? Yeah, exactly. We thought that was the edge of cutting edge of technology. back, And it was back then, right? Right, yeah. But now we've migrated to all this. And I would say, Casey, to answer your question, I would say that probably, yeah, that 20 might even be starting to grow. I think that's going to start to grow where those cutting edge guys are really going to start to increase to maybe even 30, 35 in here, here in the next few years to come. But your are 20, 60, 20 right now is pretty close.
1: To kind of wrap this up, Stace, I guess, as you take a look at what's going on around you. What are what are two or three things that you really have on your radar is stuff that you're paying attention to from a point of concern? And then what are what are a couple of things that you're looking at that you're on your radar that are a very positive thing that you're gonna go out and try to grow and expand?
2: Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to go out and grow and expand, uh just the uh, the uh visibility and awareness of what our product line can do, what it's here to compete with, how it can compete. We're gonna continue to work really hard on uh, you know, uh getting the word out on the on the product and the image and the demonstration and, and the performance of it. The things we're concerned is most like what everybody else is concerned about. But I think, you know, I'm most concerned this year, honestly, and I think it could be a very difficult year for some dealers because I think this year is going to be more challenging than last year when it comes to, you know, uh, availability. I think the fracturing of the supply chain went much deeper than we all thought it did. absolutely that- agree. The fact that, you know, uh, we thought by now, looking back this in 2020, we'd be through it and over it by now. And I think we're just we still maybe haven't even hit bottom yet. And hopefully what we see as bottom is, you know, maybe the beginning of 23 and probably more into 24. And and that's a little bit disturbing. I, I think I think what we see this year, supply chain uh, still struggles is that, you know what? Uh, we're really going to have to start the forecast and and skate in front of that puck a lot further than we ever thought we'd have to. And when you start thinking about planning your order calendar 12 months out, okay, we were all pretty used to that 24 and 36, that's a challenge and that's a concern because you know, right now what's going to happen is a lot of these tractors and planners are going to miss the delivery dates for this spring. are going to slide into this summer, this fall. Then you're going to ask yourself the question, okay, is the customer still going to take that? And if the question is, well, yeah, I'm going to take it because I don't see supply getting any better, now you're going to have to ask yourself, well, what are we going to do about the financing part of it? Because we get we got to somehow align with the cash flow stream of these guys still, but we've got kind of, we're off wonky here a little bit, right? I mean, right. We're, we've got deliveries in October and if you put a payment six months from now and he's making a down payment, well, that could be cash strenuous. And then if you say, okay, well, you don't want to come and do 12 months from now because that's right at harvest time. Now you're going to be having conversations with your finance companies or whatever, about an 18 month first pay. And I think that's something we've all got to kind of be ready for.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Good,
1: Good point. That's, that's something I really have not given any thought to and, in- that that's exactly right where how all that stuff aligns up with what's going on cuz like you said that cash flow thing is so important when it comes time for payment time you know what i mean it makes a big
3: a big crunch on that stuff so well, Aaron, you got anything else you want to throw in before we shut down? I don't think so. I want to thank Stacy for being on. It was terrific, terrific information. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. Stacy, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about
1: Ag Revolution or just what's the best way to get, get a hold of, of you and, and, and see what's going on over there at Ag Revolution?
2: Well, they can uh, they can visit our website at uh, agrev.com. They can always call me at 770 617 4631 uh we're glad to connect with them there and and uh, appreciate both of you uh, uh giving me an opportunity to be on your show today and uh thank you for what you do and what you continue to do each and every day
1: i appreciate that Stacey. it's good to catch up man it's been a while it's been too long man we got to keep, you got to keep better in touch with each other well, let's do that i'll promise to do the same all right on man well, I am Casey Seymour uh, with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions on the Moving Iron Podcast. You can also go to movingironllc.com, and you can find everything Moving Iron related. Also go to the website there to find all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. Stacey, you've been to that, uh, for, going going that for a while. What's your thoughts about going to that Moving Iron Summit?
2: I think it's well worth the time. I think uh, the content uh, just continues to get better and better. The relationships, the networking, uh yeah I, I plan on going i won't miss it
1: right on aaron folks I want to reach out to you what's the best way to do that
3: uh call me or text me 308-760-1193 also pretty active on the old ag twitter at aaron fintel, and also on the book of faces <laughs> right on i am uh casey
1: seymour with aaron finnell and stacy anthony go out and move some iron folks
0: Casey, Aaron, and Stacy, and thanks to Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. Find more from him in the print magazine and on farm-equipment.com. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at PharmaClement, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.